Welcome to the Loan with Jen podcast, your weekly source to keep you informed on everything about financing your home, where you will hear real facts, no BS. I'm your host, Jennifer Hernandez, a loan officer since 1995, and over 4,300 families financed to date. If you're starting to think about buying or refinancing a home, wonder if you have the right credit, savings, or even income, you're in the right place. On my weekly episodes, I make complicated topics easy to understand. By the way, my license is NMLS 514497. The ideas expressed here are my own opinions and don't represent any legal advice. Thanks for joining. Let's jump in. Welcome to why we are not headed to a housing bubble. This is going to have a mixture of some data that just from national statistics, historical data, you'll get to share it, share it with whoever you want. And then just also some personal experience of things that we're seeing here in the local market as well. I am Jennifer Hernandez, and I've been lending as a loan officer for almost 27 years, and I've closed over 4,300 loans. So lots of great experience. And I can tell you from experience that this market is different than anything I've ever seen, but there are some similar trends to what I have seen. So I'm going to be mixing that into my talk. We haven't ever been to this kind of appreciation before, but the data will be interesting and we'll start to point towards what we can expect in the future. So you can always reach me at loanwithjen.com. All my social media handles, loanwithjen. And also, I want to point out my YouTube channel. So if you don't subscribe yet, whether you're a realtor or a homeowner, I have over 320 videos. Just think of it as it's your own search engine for everything mortgage. My channel is Loan with Jen. Type in the keyword FHA or condo, and I'm sure that I have a video about it. And I'm always looking for new topics. So text me, email me anytime like, hey, Jen, you need to make a video about this. So anyway, go there, have fun, get informed. Today, the big questions that everybody wants to know, will home prices go backward? Will they fall in essence, a housing bubble? People also say, won't foreclosures flood the market? Like, aren't we headed for all these foreclosures after forbearance? Since 1945, World War II, the values have gone backwards one time. And that was in 2008. I was a loan officer at that time. That did happen here, of course, locally. Not as bad in Texas because of our homestead laws and we don't allow 100% cash out <laughs> in Texas. But in 2008, the mortgage debacle, yes, that did happen. There were also some other things going on at the time that helped lead to that, but we did recover. I mean, you'll see that 2008 and then things did start to climb. It took probably two to three years nationally. And some markets, it took a little bit longer, like Florida. So we're going to talk now like about foreclosures and things that sometimes lead to this bubble where there's a flood of inventory. That's what causes values to go down. Sellers have to start lowering their prices in order to get things sold. We right now are at the lowest level back to 2005. We are down in the first quarter of 2022, 78,000 foreclosures nationwide. It is absolutely the lowest in the last 17 years. So that's pretty eye-opening. 
The other thing is the percentage of distressed property sales, meaning foreclosures and short sales. I mean, really after the end of 2020, the line is almost flat. It's less than 1%. A lot of this data is as of March 31st. Of course, during that part of COVID, which some of the moratoriums still exceeded into 2021, where lenders were forbidden to foreclose by government regulation to just allow people to get back on their feet. So forbearance, that's what could cause a flood of foreclosures. But we're not seeing it, partly because 92% of people that were in forbearance are now out of it and back paying. So it was a hiccup or short-term allotment, a pause of time that allowed people to get back on their feet. Well, now they're like, okay, we got the forbearance, we're back in our loan. So these numbers forbearance has just edged downward as people are getting back into their regular loans. Again, 92% of owners have exited forbearance. 37% of the forbearances were paid in full, meaning let's say that your forbearance period was seven or eight months and that total was $15,000. Well, 37% of the people caught up their forbearance with paying it back. 44.6% reworked their payment plans. Maybe they put it on the end of the loan. Maybe they did a modification, something to get that settled. And then 18.4% were still in trouble. So yes, there are still some people that were in forbearance that were in trouble, but less than 20%, they're probably still trying to work things out with their current lenders. The other thing that I'll point out that's different back to 2008 because that's when we saw things go actually big time backwards. So back then, I mean, I would joke about this, but I was like, hey, you just have to be breathing and be able to get a Texaco credit card. Those of you that remember back to the 90s, everybody could get a Texaco credit card. So that's kind of a joke. You were able to get a loan. Like it was so easy. That obviously went away and imploded. The lending standards since 2008 and with the induction of some new laws and regulations for lenders, the credit risk of the loans now is very high. There's a lot of oversight. There are some lenders right now, yes, that do, you know, bank statement loans and, you know, TIN number and tax identification number and some squirrely things, but it's a very small percentage of the product risk as a whole. And those are usually sold to hedge funds. Like there's some private investors that do that kind of stuff. Those kind of loans are not mixed in with the large pools of loans that are under, you know, FHA, Fannie Mae, and Freddie Mac. So again, the mix of lending and the AAA credit or the credit rating of these mortgage bonds is at a very, very high quality. It doesn't mean that there's not default. I mean, yes, there is. Okay. But for the most part, compared to 2008, and you had all those 100% or 103%, I remember loan where you could roll in your closing costs and do 0% down. Like, I mean, it was nuts. That doesn't exist anymore. So things are very different than they were, even if the market was to cool off a little bit. I mean, it'll eventually slow down, but go backwards it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen is my education on that fact. And also mortgage payments as a percentage of people's disposable income. People are making more. I know that there is some inflation and I know that wages over time have increased. 
And because of the lending guidelines as well, and because lenders are doing such a good job of making sure that homeowners stay within certain debt to income ratios, that is helping to make sure that people's mortgage payment as a percentage of their disposable personal income is down or the debt service ratio is down. What is ahead? That's what everybody wants to know. Like, okay, this is where we've been. This is kind of the past. These are what the trends say. So the best way that we can predict the future is to look at the data and the historical data, right? So that's what we've just done. We've looked at some of the historical data and what is ahead. So home price forecast, all these different people have their opinion, all these economists, starting with the 10.8%. We've got Fannie Mae has one idea, Freddie Mac, CoreLogic, Mortgage Bankers Association. So everyone has their economist and has their take. Well, if you take a mesh and an average of what they all kind of agree on, you land at 9%. Now, this is national, so it doesn't represent our local market, which what I see every day is even higher than 9%. But again, remember, this is national. But I will remind you, it is all over the news and media and everywhere else. Texas is not far behind Florida, the number two state for relocation. Texas is in the South. That's where people are going. So our market is even a little bit more different than this national average compared to other parts of the East and the West Coast anyway. That's where most of the people are coming from, where things are just so high and out of control. So the forecast of the overall house appreciation for national level is 9%. And you can even bank on more than that for local market, because again, we're the number two most popular area. So remember that 9% number. The forecast against all those entities that have kind of their economists has have forecasted 2026. I've heard more often. I have a couple of sources that have even forecasted longer than that. But I think for the next four to five years, things will continue to appreciate at abnormal levels than what we're used to until 2026. And then the forecast is that things will start to slow down, but slowing down does not mean go backwards. Now, I know what everyone is thinking. They're like, well, what about the affordability and what about the rates? Yes, rates are elevated from where they were. And yes, there are people that are sitting out of the market. I would say we have at least 25% of our buyers that are pre-approved are sitting out because the prices of the houses are in excess of what they can afford monthly. And the only way that those people will buy a house in the future is they'll have to change their budget or they'll have to make more money because prices are not going to come down. They will continue to rise and people will figure it out. They will figure it out. Okay, so that's 25%. What about the other 75? Well, the other 75% of the people, just to kind of put this out there, I average 100 referrals a month. Not everyone qualifies. Of that 100, we do applications on 60. I'll just work about two thirds. So I do have on a monthly basis, a good test pool. My clients are anywhere from 200,000 up to the millions. So I do get a good vision of what's going on in all different price ranges, all different economic statuses. 
So it does give me a good roundabout perspective. So let's say of those 60 people, 25% of them are just like, hey, I'm sitting this thing out. Like I cannot, (laughs) you're telling me I can afford 200, but the stuff that I'm seeing is 250. I'm like, well, can you get a co-signer? If you can't get a co-signer, yeah, you're going to have to sit it out. Look for a job that pays more money and then come back to me. Let's talk again in six to 12 months. That's how they're going to be able to buy a house. The other portion of the people, they don't like it, but they're like, all right, let me see what I can cut. Do I cut my cable? Do I, you know, turn in my car and get, I mean, y'all, this is a true story. Like a few years ago, maybe about 15 years ago now, when Fernando and I went from our little condo to our 5,000 square foot house, he was like, sunshine, if you want that house, like, what are you going to cut to get it? Because that's the only way you're going to get that house that we just saw. And I found like $700 of savings in our budget at that time. I traded in my car. I pulled everything out to get that done. I was motivated. And so there are people that are motivated and they will find the cuts. They might not have it right now, but they will. I also want to face the reality that prices are going up as well. And it is just a new norm. So we've got to relook at our budgets, look at where we spend our money, look at the jobs that we have, educate ourselves to be able to have a new career or whatever. So there's a shift that's happening and it takes time. Sometimes people, okay, I'm going to sign another year lease, improve my situation. Now I know what I need. I got my homework from Jennifer. Now we got to go find it. So speaking more to the affordability part of it, I'm inserting rates because it does mix in with the affordability portion. So here's my disclaimer. I'm not a professional economist. I've just got the hard knocks of personal experience. These are just my professional takes, you know, of interpreting and looking at the data. You know, rates will come down again. I mean, I have seen rates come down four to five times in the last 27 years. So it does happen every three to five years. I believe from what economists are saying, we are headed towards a recession. It's like, that's all over the news. And when we're on the tail end of it, which will probably be two to three years from now, recessions are cured by lowering rates. So rates will come down again. There could be something before then that makes them come down. I mean, who knows? But they will come down again. And everybody now that's got, you know, five and a half to six percent or five or whatever they've got, they'll be refinancing. We're in the here and the now. And so what do people do now? I'm telling clients, look, if you can afford the payment and if the house that you can find with that payment is good for your family, get in and start the foundation for your appreciation. Because that is for sure, prices will begin to rise. And the house that you see today that's 375, it will be 450 a year from now based on the data and where things are headed. You don't just go to a three-week inventory or one-month inventory market to a seven, eight-month inventory. When you flip to a buyer's market, it's usually inventory over six months. That doesn't happen overnight. If you remember the foreclosure stats, there's not a lot of foreclosures looming. Now, I'm going to reanalyze them again in about six months just because, you know, property taxes are going up. There might be some people that can't afford payments. But what we're seeing is people can list their house. Like if you're in trouble or if you have a neighbor and like, oh my God, we're having this trouble. Y'all, they can list their house right now 
and sell it in a hot minute before they get behind with the bank. So that is what's happening is that their inventory is getting gobbled up by the demand. And so that's also a phenomenon that's happening is that, yes, there's people that are struggling, but they're like, well, I guess we're just going to have to downsize. Let's cash in and get our equity out of our house so that we can pay off this debt, get out from under it, sell. We hate to move, but you know what? We've got to do it so we don't have to buy bankruptcy and all this other stuff. So what you're looking at here, January, 2021, the payment is at 2.73%. Like rates were really low. Oh my God. A year and a half ago, your $300,000 house payment was principal and interest 1221. So if you go down to October, 2022 estimate, we think that, you know, the current and the October, things are going to be somewhere between five and a quarter and five and a half. They're kind of actually right now in that range. So your payment goes to 1703. That's almost a $500 a month jump. There's people that we approved at the end of last year in the fourth quarter. So December, 2021, rates were kind of around three. People thought their payment was 1279. And then if you hop over to 1703, that's a $420 jump. So they are shocked. They are like, oh my gosh. So it's a new, like the example that I gave before, I wanted this house and I found a way to get it. So I am coaching clients like, yes, I realize that this is a higher payment. But what I want you to think about is that the house that you're looking at now will be worth 10 to 15% more depending on the area that you're buying in. It will be worth 10 to 15% more this time next year. So rates are going to go down in two to three years, they'll be down. So think of it as a temporary bump. So that difference in the payment truly is like you're putting money towards your savings plan. So, you know, if you're a big saver, which I hope everybody is, okay, I'm paying $420 more in a payment, but my house is appreciating. We're not going to enjoy this appreciation forever, y'all. We are not. It's not logical. I mean, average in Houston is 3 to 5%, just historically, for those of you that have watched the numbers for a while. But right now, for the next four years, we're probably going to enjoy appreciation that we probably won't enjoy forever. And so locking that in, getting in and starting that appreciation is an opportunity moment. And it's an opportunity cost if they don't do it. So if someone is renting, the interest rate on rent is 100%. There is absolutely no value. So the quicker that someone can get in, again, the challenge right now is, can I afford the 1703 a month? Five months ago, I thought I was going to have a payment of 1279. And now that same price is 1703 and maybe not even 1703. It might be higher because a $300,000 loan five months ago, now I've got to pay higher for the house. So it's probably a 330 or 340 loan. So that's even higher. We're working on analyzing with clients right where they are, showing them the pathway, working with them to just say, hey, let's talk to your spouse, analyze your budget. Is there something in excess that you can cut? If you're saving a certain amount per month, now just think of it as if you were saving $2,000 a month, now you're saving $1,500 over here, but $500 extra is going to your mortgage payment. But that's really a savings plan too, because you're going to benefit from that when you sell at some future point because your value is going to be elevated. That's what appreciation is. 
And with the data that we saw before, since 1945, values have only gone backwards one time. So the odds are not in that favor that that's going to happen again. Things will go up before they stabilize and they will stabilize. Things will slow down, but it's expected to be in four to five years. So again, it's almost like people are just reallocating some of their savings. Okay. That's how I look at it. So again, going from 1200 a month to 1700, it's a shock, but we've just got to recalibrate some things. So more to the affordability, just to give y'all a vision of what is happening with people's spending. Average consumer is spending $4.29 a month on items other than shelter. Meanwhile, wages just broke $2.12. So we do have a gap. Wages are not rising fast enough to meet what the prices are. So that is inflation, which means people are looking, if they want to keep the same payment, they're looking for a house that's about $41,000, $42,000 cheaper if they can find it. So that is the quagmire that we're in. And just goes to adjusting either the salary, finding another job, or we're seeing people, they're getting second jobs. You know, some people that are like, hey, I really, really want a house. I'm going to start driving Uber. I'm going to start, you know, delivering DoorDash. I'm going to start saving more so I can put a large down payments. Everyone's situation is a little bit different. The good thing is there's a lot of jobs out there. There's a big shift. We did, again, talk about mortgage rates, I think, for the horizon into at least a year from now. You know, rates will be pretty steady, kind of where they are in the fives. Maybe by the end of the year, there might be a slow dip back to the high fours. Who knows? That's a big crystal ball. So for the last part, I do want to go through home sales, just some data around that for you. And then some more to just reiterate that buyer demand is still very strong people are shifting. They're just finding different ways to make it work. Like, oh my gosh, I don't want to spend more than 2000 a month. Okay, let me rethink this, Jennifer. To get this house that I'm seeing that fits my needs, I've got to spend 2400 Okay, let me just have a minute so I can just see if I can recalibrate my budget. So average days on the market, this is a nice national graph, but the areas in the totally middle, like North Dakota down to Kansas, they're super hot. Nevada, Utah less than 15 days average on the market. Who would have thought? It is cold in South Dakota, but I guess (laughs) I guess that's where people want to go. Plus there's just less homes, right? So we are in the second category. We're in the 15 to 30 area. And that is the majority of the United States, which is alarming to me. So people are moving around. We are seeing with what happened in COVID we are seeing more and more people that are remote and they can live anywhere. So they're going to live towards either Texas, which were attractive because we have no state tax and for the most part, more affordable. We've got some big cities where there's lots of job opportunity and those things are attracting people. National average is 17 days. So again, Those kinds of numbers don't change overnight, unfortunately. And just to reiterate this and just give y'all some real data, probably at least, you know, 25 to 30% of my applicants are from somewhere else. And we just have the conversation super early, like, hey, you know, your employer will confirm that you remote is okay, right? Like your job is intact. It'll remain the same. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm remote so I can live anywhere. So... Again, that is a huge trend, huge, huge, huge trend that we are seeing that is not 
going to go away because more and more people are able to work from wherever. That is as a result of COVID and then just some of the policies that people are making. So I will mention new home sales is what in the past has kept our Houston market in check. I mean, if you just drive outward, northwest Houston, there's pastures, like there's just land. Houston has been expanding for a long time. It's been probably the last decade that we've seen less and less. You know, we haven't really noticed it, but now it's become more apparent with the lack of materials, you know, shipping and getting things cross country and lumber and the shortage of chips that go in the refrigerators and the washing machines. I mean, you just can't really walk into Best Buy and buy an appliance anymore. It's like six-week delivery. Like that is still going on. And so builders take longer to get things to market. The only way you're getting inventory on new home sale is if the current buyer that was supposed to buy it doesn't qualify anymore for some reason. And now they get to sell it to somebody else for a higher price. But there's not a lot of inventory with new home sales. They're only building to fill the contracts that they have, right? So if you put one on that hasn't started yet, a new build, I mean, it's taking double to triple the time that it normally did. Builders aren't pumping out three to four months anymore. It's, you know, a year. We just closed a guy that's been building his house for 18 months with a builder. 18. Granted, it was more of a custom house and more of a custom community, but you know, that's a long time. So new homes and the lack of speed and the lack of inventory, the number is lower than it's ever been. The months from completion to sold is quicker than it's been. Things are getting gobbled up. And this is nationwide again. In Texas, it's definitely less than three months. So new construction is not there to help keep our balance of our market in check. It's what's kept the balance of the prices in check because in the past, new homes have kept resale values a little bit lower from going up too fast because people are like, oh, I'll just go buy a new home. And, you know, the incentives and they want people to buy in the new homes, right? So they'll make the prices attractive and that's not happening anymore. That's why we're also seeing a lot of this inflation of prices and the values going up, if that makes sense. So it's just a very interesting dynamic. Now, existing homes, this is national. U.S. average of the prices of the homes, 15%. Mostly, though, the South. Year over year, the sale price of existing homes in the South is higher. And Texas is in the South. That makes up the majority of that number. So we are considered that South corridor. We're not the Midwest. We're like the South, like Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Oklahoma. You know, that's considered the South. Again, Texas is a huge part of that. Just to give you some perspective. If you like to see it a different way, change in home prices since COVID has just super gone up. And this goes back year over year. So this goes back one year from February 21 to February 20, they took a survey of the main 20 cities in the U.S. And of course, Houston is definitely on that list. If you just break it down to those 20 cities, even recently, the change in home prices is 20%. Wow. 
Now, when I said 9%, remember that's an average nationwide. But if we start to really get granular on the pool of data, it's much, much higher. Months of inventory of homes for sale the last 12 months. Again, this is national and national average is 2.0 as the end of March. It was even lower, you know, December to February. I have seen a small betterment, you know, as we have seen buyers pausing out of the market because of affordability. Yes, there are homes. I guess I'll put it this way. Instead of 10 multiple offers, there's four or five, but there's still multiple offers. Okay. So it's still very hectic. We did actually last week, I had two buyers. The first time they ever made an offer after pre-approval, they got both of them. You know, they listened to their realtor and whatever the realtor said, realtors play such a vital role in all of this. They're like, listen, if you want to get this house, this is what you have to do. And the bars said, yep, I will do that. So it was just a perfect storm on all sides. On almost every single contract, there are multiple offers. Buyer traffic, it's very, very strong. New Mexico, Montana, North Dakota, Nebraska. So there are some states where buyer demand is more strong. The only place where demand is weak, that very lowest weak, it looks like Maryland, so the D.C. area. So most of the country, again, is in the strong group. Wow. So this concludes just some data that I wanted to hopefully educate everybody on what economists are saying anyway, based on past trends and where they think we're going in the future put some spin on my own personal data on there. I will say we do need your help. I am referral only. When you get this, please pass it on. I want to get this education to people. I'm super passionate about it so that people can make the best decision for them, whatever that might be. Refer us to someone that's buying in Texas. I would love to help someone who's buying a home who needs to take that step to pre-approve. All of my handles are alone with Jen. I try to post articles, my videos that I do. I release two YouTube videos a week. So I post those on social media as well. So always trying to bring you all content that is educational. I'm super passionate about education. Hence why I did this today. And then subscribe to my YouTube channel, Alone with Jen, your mortgage library for real facts, no BS. Yeah, really appreciate everyone being here today. And uh, look forward to talking to all y'all in the future. Any questions, just give me a call. Thank you for listening to the Loan with Jen podcast. Keep joining me each week to stay up to date on the mortgage industry as I'll dive into relevant topics so your home financing process, whether you're buying or refinancing, is smooth and simple. If you enjoyed today, please click follow and that way you'll never miss an episode. To find us on social media, just go to Loan with Jen on any of the social media handles, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in this week for Real Facts, No BS. Talk soon. Mm-hmm.